Segunda Show. Hi, I'm Tobias the Owl, and you're listening to Radio 8 Ball with Andras Jones. Welcome to Radio 8 Ball. Give us a shake. We're in the stew. We're here at Starburst and Questions to the Nilsson songs we randomly hear the Back to Radio 8 Ball, the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions, like picking musical tarot cards. I am your host, Andras Jones, and uh, we're here at Starburns Industries, courting the pop oracle of Harry Nelson's music with the help of many of his... Acolytes and some members of his family. And now we have the return to Radio 8 Ball of one of my favorite guests, whether he's singing or asking a question, Morty Coyle. Thank you so much. Don't get up. Yeah, I, uh, I, won't, even, I won't get up or sit down. I'm just going to stay right where I am. Beautiful. Now, Morty, uh, you played a very beautiful, you sang a very beautiful, beautiful version of A Perfect Day. Perfect Day, yes. And you're obviously a massive Harry Nelson fan. I am. And now, I guess we could say that since uh, you're the second to last question, and since uh, we didn't get Jimmy Webb, you're the one who is... We're going to say that you're subbing for Jimmy Webb here. Thank you so much. I think Jimmy's probably getting more sleep than I am at this very moment. Yeah, well, that's... And it's on the East Coast, so it's much later there. We're here on the West Coast, and it's it's okay. We've had Jimmy Webb. We don't want to get too greedy with our our Webb desires, but it's... uh, But I I want to say that because I, I feel like... Well, because you also, you were on the episode that we did with Jimmy Webb. Did, were you on that I don't think episode? I was on that one, but I have left Cake in the Rain. Oh, yes. Well, yes. so uh, so now I asked you to come in here and ask your own Harry Nilsson-inspired question. I put, I'm putting you on the spot, mm-hmm. but you're, a, you're a, a, a pro and a performer, and I, I have no doubt that, that already a question is coming to your mind. There is, and and I, I at the risk of being maudlin... Um, where I am in time right at this moment is that is my father had taken ill uh, about a month back and uh, was in the hospital and and I had to face a very real you know uh, not just a very real uh, um, understanding of what could happen but also you know personal existential and being a father myself and everything and um and also being one of limited amount of my friends that still has a father you know mm-hmm. that's here and and grateful to have gotten as far as i have and so i hear i've been watching dan rather give these interviews on uh, access television with all these artists and a question he always asks and it always chokes me up but never so much as now and i think even with jordan's yvonne and whoever else has been in here um, 
was, uh, he said, he, what he asks, and I don't know where he got the question from, but he says, they say a man doesn't fully become a man until his father dies. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I've thought about a lot. And I think given the fact that sort of today has been filled with a lot of talk about that and sort of, yeah. you know, and me knowing that I'm, you know, that I'm still not one of them yet and hopefully not for a long time. But what that change will be is, is um, that basically that question, do you believe that a man does not fully come into his own until... I guess he's lost his father. You know, I don't know if that's too deep. No, not that. No, no. So the question is, is it true that a man only becomes a man after... After his father passes away. Okay, well, we have two songs left on the board. One is Little Cowboy. Wow. And the other is the lottery song. Which which are both pretty apropos. And so uh, if it comes up, we're going to have you uh, engage the Pop Oracle by by flipping the Radio 8 coin, the binary oracular tool. If it comes up on heads, it's going to be song number two, Little Cowboy. And if it comes up tails, it's going to be song number four, the lottery song. Am I flipping it? Yes, you are flipping it. And now, to engage the Pop Oracle, will you flip... The Radio 8 coin. Tails. Is that what that is? Yes. The Lottery Song, performed by Chris Price and Friends. Okay, so um, what I'd like to do, uh, if possible, is maybe, uh, like, can we get, like, a couple mics just in the center of the room? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a cockenspiel. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, it's a Are we all ready? Yeah. Tempo, tempo. Okay. Uh, one, two, one, two, three, four. Laundry, I'll come by on Monday. You give me the money, I'll go buy a ticket on the local lottery. We could win the lottery, we could go to Vegas and be very happy. our money, have a fine vacation, we could buy a trailer, if we bought a trailer, we could go to Vegas and be very happy, ooh, life is just a gamble, gamble if you want to win. Wreck 
Joker Sell a lot of copies We could play Las Vegas And be very happy If life is just a gamble Gamble if you want to win Life could be so easy Let the wheel of fortune spin Thanks, everybody. And that was the lottery song performed by Chris Price with, gosh, just about everybody, Zach and Kifo and Rick. And you were playing, Marshall. The, and Marshall was over there yeah, every, singing. Every, yeah. every, everybody was involved, yeah. basically. Wonderful, wonderful. Yep. Great rendition. Thank you, Chris. Right, thank and you. by the way, that was complete serendipity to, to sort of go back to Zach with oh, yeah. where the serendipitous is. It was just, hey, does anybody have any percussion left here? And he was like, well, there's this little bag we use for full, kind of Foley stuff mm-hmm. here in the studio. And you pulled it out, and, and he was like, well, you tiny, have an egg. And you, yeah. wait, there's a tiny glockenspiel. Yeah, a little bell. A little xylophone looking thing. And then he just goes, All right. then he plays it, and then he goes, huh. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it was like everybody in the room lit up because it yeah. was that moment of yeah. this was out of nowhere and just worked out perfectly. So it's yeah. nice that, yeah. I think that's just such a cool little story to, to watch it happen. And then everybody in the room started like started like singing and shaking things. And then we were on the Partridge family <laughs> then, bus yeah. and it and was out of sight. you had a story that tied into it too. Oh, the lottery song? Uh, no, the, with the, the, the xylophone. Yeah. yeah, because... Um, my sister Annie and I recorded uh, Gotta Get Up a couple of years ago, and uh, I actually ended up playing the glockenspiel on that song in the studio. Mm-hmm. Just little notes here and there, yeah. but yeah, it's all about the glockenspiel. It is, really. It's all about it's the glockenspiel. Phil Spector and it's all connected, Bruce Springsteen. Man. Wow, man. That was uh, beautiful. So Thank let's you. let's so uh, well. What, what is it that made you uh, that inspired you to pick that song? Pick the lottery song. Yeah. Um, I just I really dig it. Yeah, <laughs> um, I've done it. I've done it before. Uh, it uh, it felt like um, the right kind of song for this kind of show. Like mm-hmm. you're, you're, I mean, you're letting the, the wheel, wheel of, of fortune, fortune spin, spin yeah. every time, right? Right. So I, yeah, it was it. It seemed like an obvious choice. Cool for this. Cool. It was yeah. It, <laughs> yeah, I love that it that. It, yeah, I've I've been I was feeling bad that you had to you know for the people who end up getting picked last, I always feel bad for anyone who has to wait around. But I, now I love it because uh, necessity it, is yeah. the mother of invention. And it wouldn't have happened this way if I had just done it first because yeah. this was like I was hanging out for a while and yeah. found the bag, and uh, that's <laughs> how lucky it's like a u- it's like the usual yeah. suspects thing. You put them yeah. in a room together, you give them a Glock and spiel, and see what happens. You're, You're lucky. lucky. <laughs> and also, I got to hear a bunch. 
such a great performances. I heard yeah. almost everybody do yeah. that thing, and it was all great. As I was saying, you're lucky the crudite is gone now, or there could have been a bag of broccoli on that song right. at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. dry he broccoli. You would have made it. And for those, for people who are who are uh, maybe just finding the show for the first time, Chris actually was a guest on the show a few months back and did a whole a whole show with his with his own music. And mm-hmm. so I encourage you to check that out. I'll put links about that in the in the show notes. Now that was the answer to Morty's question. A question about the mortality of fathers and what role that plays in the quickening of a man. Yeah, it seems, and it seemed to be a very prevalent thought from 1941 on. Mm-hmm. Sort of, not a lot of people that early in their career, I think, immediately start with, you know, these psychological, like, but I mean, huge story songs. I mean, it took the Beatles. Mm-hmm. You know, till they got introspective mm-hmm. and really contemplative and everything to kind of go like Julia and, you know, to really start to, to come up with something and have something that poppy early on and kind of go like, wow, that's a really mel- on this psychedelic kind of freaky yeah. album. I'm sing- He's singing a song about the dad leaving and then. And well, think about that, like in terms of like for that, for people, for kids who lose their father really young, what does that concept mean like how, like how can you say that a two-year-old like a one or two-year-old or three-year-old baby is now a man because the father's no longer in the right. picture right yeah. you it's sort of like you kind of lose the opportunity to have that transition mm-hmm. like i felt like i lost my lost my father pretty young but i was still in my 20s right so i was able to have that moment of like oh something's shifted and now i'm responsible to something that i wasn't before but to have that happen when you're a, an infant it it's a well it's a totally different trip right and my dad lost his dad when he was about 14 or 15 so i grew up with a father that i don't think thought he was going to go that long right. and that had a whole number on it too but this but that was 1941 bringing it to the lottery right, right. song well it's it's definitely the the finite well, mortal lottery there is yeah there is, is what the, that is you know and yeah. what it does to you afterward because you know there's also just like i was saying in the kibitz room even just within our run of doing it i've watched each you know guy you know go through that go through that till there's only like two or three of us left you know, of the same age, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, and so it's, you know, it's a lot of, I mean, I was literally texting Jordan Summers, my partner in All Day Sucker and another yeah. Radio 8 Ball stalwart from my dad's hospital bed, kind of going, God, I had money on somebody else, you know, <laughs> yeah. and I was sitting there because he was out, you know, intubated and everything. And I was just sitting there texting him from there, kind of keeping it buoyant yeah. in that same way, kind of going, wow, I really had didn't have money on him. But, yeah. you know, I guess I should have. You know, but yeah, man, it's uh, money on him like a lottery. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. did no. you really use that language? Uh, I probably we can go back and check yeah. my text. <laughs> yeah, Chris, you had an idea. Yeah, so um, I think that uh, the so the question is uh, like uh, when does a man become a man, basically, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the song suggests that maybe we don't ever become men and we always indulge in flights of fancy and uh we're looking for like there's so many lines in that song about basically about being taken care of Mm -hmm. like you give me the money i'll go buy a ticket Mm -hmm. you know you could be a plumber i can wait till summer Mm -hmm. i mean what does a child do waste for the summer for school to get out so that they can finally have fun and uh, I, I just I think that the the song actually has a whole lot of 
like there's a way to read it where it's not actually about a couple. Like that's like the the superficial reading is like it's two people in love mm-hmm. indulging in this fantasy that one day they'll win the lottery and run away together. But what if it's about a child singing to their parent uh, and saying like I'm gonna like take your money and go mm-hmm. buy a ticket for the lottery and and everything would be great and maybe we'll have a family band and go play Vegas. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, I, I, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, love related. It could. I, I, I think there's a lot of uh, infantilism in the idea of you know winning the lottery and then all your problems are solved and like it, you, the world takes care of you instead of taking care of yourself. Yeah, I've always kind of wondered if this song was sincere or sarcastic. Like it's a, it does have an odd tone, that sort of balance of humor and seriousness that we're talking about in Harry Nilsson's music. This is one of those songs that I've always been kind. I can't quite tell. I always felt like it was a, it was a direct lift in style of Randy Newman. That's how it felt very similar to that lyrical quality where it was like on on the surface. There's something lived in about it the same way that Randy liked to write songs. You know, like you're you're not really – you're just – you're immediately intimately acquainted with people rather Mm -hmm. than like superficially. Right. Um, And uh, yeah, I – I don't know. The more I think about this song, I, I've always obviously the, the, on its face, it's about something that's uh, kind of unrealistic, it's right? Improbable. You're not going to win the lottery, and, and we can go to Vegas you know, and be like, there. Yeah, it, it's it, it, anyone who lives their life thinking that that's like a realistic possibility is, you know, probably hasn't grown up, right? You know Just like I mean? life, right. you can't win if you don't play. <laughs> <laughs> Someone who's won several lotteries, dude. Um, they are fun to win, and yeah. they are fun to win, and they don't solve all your problems, but they do help with the immediate ones. Oh, I totally think <laughs> winning the lottery is objectively great, and I think that the whole idea that uh, there's a there's a curse. There are people that talk about the lottery curse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that yes, I've heard it tears up families. Sure. Uh, it it magnifies the worst parts about yourself because Definitely magnifies the worst parts about people. But yeah. I would also say the biggest, and I hate to go on the actual literal lottery part, but the funny thing about the lottery thing is, the people that I mean, the people that win it are the people that play it, and generally uh-huh. the people that play it are the people that probably can't afford to pay it to play right. it. So the people that have some bread and are used to it and have figured out a way to keep some bread. Mm-hmm. By not playing the lottery, right, right. that if they won the lottery, they would probably be okay with figuring out how to keep it, keep it and move it into the correct places because they're the kind of person that doesn't play the lottery. Well, they, you're talking about earned worth versus sure. uh, acquired worth. Like, acquired I don't see Carly Simon blowing wealth. her fortune. Like, you know what I mean? I yeah, don't think... Well, that, yeah. It, well, it, to, to a certain extent, I mean, I think that, that that's another angle to this, uh, this idea of inheritance, of inheriting money. Uh, and I, that's kind of what the lottery is, is inherited money. It's not... You didn't earn... that. You didn't work for that. Okay, right well, money. now let's... Okay, this but is... But you saw it coming. I, I right. see. I need... Mean, I see a, a point of connection here yeah. where because it's not just the death of the th- the father that makes you a man it's the it's being 
it's being born in, into the into line of into responsibility. That. Well, but before you can, the father can die so that you can be, you have to be born into that family. And right. that's the lottery. Like mm -hmm. for me, yeah. I wouldn't be doing Radio 8 Ball if my father weren't a dream psychologist mm -hmm. who had dream seminars that right. then I sort of grew into that. And mm -hmm. I think that's probably true for all of us. And if you think sure. that there's a way that at a certain point, I think what that's talking about is that if we're destined to live into the to live into the footsteps of our fathers, eventually they have to get out of those footsteps so that we can step into them. And that's, mm -hmm. it's like, it's almost like the lottery, like the lottery. It's like, it's uh, cognitively dissonant and a little bit, it's paradoxical because we never want to let them go. Mm -hmm. And we, and we have no choice. We had no choice in having them as our father. Like right. it's, it's, we're in a way we're completely powerless in that you're powerless into who you're born with and you're powerless into when you lose them. And, right. but still inherent in all of that. And that's what your question is about is there is inherent power. Mm -hmm. There is inherent power in being the son of someone and there is inherent power in in inheriting that legacy mm -hmm. once they're no longer there to hold it. Right. And like the lottery, it could tear you apart or it can make yeah. you, right? Depending upon how you deal with that wealth. Yeah. Well, it just, the, I, it, I've, everything I've read about lottery winners is, is it's basically just a mirror. It holds up a mirror to your true self. Mm -hmm. So if you're a person who is more, responsible and grown up and uh conservative Bigger. with their money Bigger. you, you you're just going to do you're going to do that in, in the Bigger. same way but if you're somebody who uh, can't keep a credit card because they're going to ruin their lives if they do then winning the lottery is going to be a nightmare for that person so, is, oh, is that yeah. person who's irresponsible with with money the person that just gets a whole bunch of money from the lottery are they not like a responsible grown-up like the rest of us? Are they childish for doing what they do? Like what makes a man a man or a, like a grown-up? An a grown adult, up, adult you know? yeah. Yeah, what makes a person an adult? I, I think that's the question that I have mm -hmm. here. Well, well, don't ask me. Well, now we yeah. <laughs> don't so, ask anybody in this room. So, We're all yeah. playing and having fun so, this afternoon. Chris, are, is your father still with us? Yes. And I want to kind of want to toss this over to to Zach and Kifo. If you have any ideas, I mean, obviously, uh, I don't need to know. I mean, we we know that you have experienced that transition in your lives, like I have, and like all of us will eventually. We hope. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, do you have any thoughts on this, on how uh, Morty's question relates to this song or how this question sits for either of you? Well, we're, you, you definitely don't pick your parents. Yeah. <laughs> it just yeah. Um, yeah. But I don't know, in terms of a lottery, I feel we're pretty lucky. That's because Harry was a great dad. Mm -hmm. That's going back to what people don't necessarily know about Harry. They know his music, they know his lyrics, they know the stories and the, the getting thrown out of the troubadour, but they don't know how good of a dad he was. Mm -hmm. I feel we got lucky in that sense. Um, these guys especially, but then, you know, luck only goes so far because he died in 1994. I mean, how old were you? when? I guess I would have been eight, eight or yeah. nine. Yeah. See, I was the oldest one and I was 23. And even 23 is still kind of That's young. Kind of young. But yeah. Everyone else. Yeah. Oscar was, what, two? Yeah. Yeah. So Oscar never knew him at all, really. 
Yes. Now, is there, I wonder if there's a blessing because there's so much documentation for him. I mean, I guess we can't speak for him, but yeah. that even, a lot of people lose their parents when they're very young and never get to see them, but they don't have this historical record to go back to. But I wonder, I mean, for me, I know that the historical record of my own father's existence, some days I don't want to have anything to do with it and it's too painful. And some days I want to just drown, I want to bury myself in it. I don't know what that has to do with. I, I guess I, I, I'm just uh, you know, reflecting on how that must. Well, I think every family yeah. keeps a historical record of other family members. I, I, maybe not to the world, it's it's necessarily apparent. But somebody's dad. I mean, if you didn't know them, it's up to the rest of the family to keep that person alive for the youngest people who never really experienced them. Yeah. And you, it's easier now, like nowadays, than it ever was because we can document everything. <laughs> the imperpetuity yeah. of social yeah. media. Yeah, well, it's just you got you have video and and pictures. I mean, year, hundreds of years ago, when people died, it would just be stories. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've got you know last wills and testaments. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. But it's fascinating that everybody has, like, the picture of the, especially, like, I, I'm, I'm assuming it's sort of an East Coast Jewish thing, of the picture of the schmuck on the horse mm-hmm. on the street corner. And that's, like, your only picture of your grandfather right. <laughs> when he was, like, four. Like, there was a horse in the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. Here's the Iceman, and here's your, your grandfather on a horse. Yeah. And now you could watch your great-grandmother being born. Yeah. Like, you yeah. really could, because, like, I go back to when video cameras started becoming the thing you brought into, like, a and I thought... For somebody like me, how weird is it? Because I'm in that in that middle thing where there's Super 8 films and I kind of bridge that. I go, how bizarre is it that, like, my child has distinct documentation of several generations back to the point where, like, she could be sick of their voice and the way they look and hearing them talk. And it's just – I mean, aside from her mom just being documented – that whole thing of like, I go back, I go, it's, we're only like one generation away from almost feeling like you have holograms mm-hmm. of the last five generations of people, even if they weren't whatever famous documented, just purely from the selfie, yeah. like in yeah. two generations. Well, I think to your point, though, when you talk about like what makes, you know, how loss can be a crucible for what makes you, if you don't have loss and if you have this perpetuity of memory that's existing in the same state that it's always existed because it's digital memory or whatever. What does that do to your development as a person? You know, how does that compromise things or or aid them here well, and there? Yeah, because you're you're only you're only engaging with a facsimile of a person. When you look at video, you you can't that people are reactionary. People respond to each other. That's that that's what we communicate. And so ex- experiencing somebody only through video, it can be difficult to suss out the actual person because you're not engaging in communication with that person. It's a one-way conversation. But it's not unlike as we, but, as but I thought of records. Storytelling can still have that effect. Uh, ha- having a conversation with somebody who had a conversation with somebody who isn't there anymore it can be much more effective in sussing out who that person that they're discussing really is. Mm-hmm. See, uh, I look at like the thing with recordings, though, is like how, when you, know, you think about you, like now that we're so into the train spotting part of, you know, what did Paul McCartney, what did he smoke in the studio when he recorded that song? And mm-hmm. something like Get Back, instead of it just existing as it always has, it's just 
that picture of the schmuck on the horse. Yeah. You know what I mean? That one thing and writing the story in your head. Now yeah. we know exactly what Basie played and what day somebody else yeah. came and Mick Jagger walked through. So maybe he thought, I'm going to show him. And, you know, it was all that stuff we yeah, build into it. And we live on recordings. It definitely is. You know? Uh, a lot of the mystery has been removed uh, in terms of uh, audience members being able to use their imagination for uh, you know, and their eyes and ears, things. yeah. Well, it, it, it's all we're. I think we're all in all of this conversation right now. We're talking about, uh, I think, personal connection versus. Uh, it's like earned versus inherited, right? Uh, like it having a conversation with somebody, you're you're earning the knowledge of who they was they were, yeah, uh, or who they are. And watching a, a video of that person, you're sort of just inheriting superficial details about them rather than getting to the nitty-gritty of who they were. First of all, people don't even, like, act like themselves when they know they're being filmed. Mm-hmm. Or so, recorded in a podcast. Right, exactly. <laughs> yes. so, so how do you really know how, how a person is if they're on camera? You know, right. well, it's everything, you know, the, as you guys have, you know, I th- earlier I saw the, the songbook and I saw it turned over and, you know, you're someone's house, you see a picture of their father, you assume, well, you're at someone's house, there's a picture of their father and your father, I assume, is on a dust jacket somewhere and, you know, and your father's on the back of the songbook. And I was thinking, I just looked over when you turn it over and I kind of went. That's got to be weird because, like, I wouldn't just turn something over and there'd be a picture of my dad on it, you know, and be like, "Hey, there's that guy that used to own a delicatessen," like just sitting on the back of that book. Like, well, and that like, seems and, normal. And as right. and as Chris is rightly pointing right. out, that, and I know this this is my this is my disconnect, and I can't even imagine. Like I said, I occasionally run into people who know who knew my father. And they will be like, they'll flip out. Oh, my God, he was so impactful to me. And sometimes I'm really open to that conversation. And sometimes I don't want to have anything to do with it. Mm. And it happens very infrequently to me. And it only happens in certain settings, academic settings. But for you or for Jordan, Zivon, who was here, to, like, again, have that sense of people having ownership, feeling like they have an ownership because we've... We liked the point or because we saw a film or we saw a picture and we feel like we know a person. And as you very I mean, I love that we started with your song, Zach, because you're saying you're saying there was a real person here that you don't know about and that you will never know about because only the and 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 nor and, and nor should we. That's that is your Harry, well, there's and also... that's not ours at all. And and I want to make like we've been talking. I've been playing fast and loose and projecting my stuff onto your dad's songs and talking about you, you know, t- saying saying his name, his first name, as if I know him. And I want to just acknowledge that I know that I don't know him at all. And the only people here who know him at all are the two of you. And that's nor, nor, why it's so great that you're here. Nor was I think he particularly interested in like yeah i i as a public personality i i he always struck me as particularly evasive mm-hmm. you know well not playing live is pretty he- for pretty a musician is like <laughs> for what people consider musicians to be i mean at your foremost you're a musician but that that you know that whatever you know what you the ego what it what you're fed mm-hmm. by 
an audience of screaming people, especially when you're at your hegemony. You know what I mean? Like when you're like, oh, by the way, the Beatles just mentioned how wonderful I am. Mm-hmm. And I and a record company must have just gone, oh, Christ, this guy's not going to go out. Like, just go to a tower <laughs> store and sign things. Just be there. Just do one little singing thing anywhere. You know, just. Well, I, I just think that uh, he wanted his work to speak for him, it seemed. Uh, and it certainly does. Uh but it is also like there, there, there's only so much that people reveal of themselves when they know they're being recorded. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's always something to keep in mind. And you keep things for yourself. I, I remember really vividly reading an interview with I think it was either Graham Nash or da- no, it was David Crosby had heard a lot of the songs for Joni Mitchell's album Blue. Uh, and he said to her, I think it was him. I've re- I, I know the story. I, yes, may be, I may be misattributing a quote here, but somebody told Joni Mitchell, they said to her, you can't do this. You have to keep something of yourself for you. And she didn't want, she's like, I, I'm leaving it all out on the table on this record. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that quote has always sort of stuck with me, uh, this idea Never that, full, that people <laughs> people will people will show what they want to show, and this is now a, a worldwide epidemic because of social media, but artists in particular have always lived their lives that way, just, just revealing the information that they want to reveal, uh, the, the public persona versus the private persona, and the, the handshake between those two things. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, Harry in particular did it in a way that I like because I'm not – like I engage with social media, but on a very like – like I, people complain to me that I don't do it enough. But I, it's like you said. Like I, I like having a bit of uh, – Keeping something it, rather than divulging. Everything. I didn't know you had a wife for the yeah. longest time. Well, there you go. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I'm sorry he said that. Bethany. Sorry, mm-hmm. sorry. Uh, but we can cut that out. No, no I mean no, it no, just no. didn't. It just was like a private. Like it was yeah. like one of those weird well, things I'm where just, I didn't follow you home. Yeah, and and nor should we be doing right. that with anybody. I, I don't think that that's the right way to to do that sort of thing. I do think that. Uh, it's it's endemic of a larger problem in society, which is that we're more and more being asked to consider our own experience as, you know, monolithic. Like, there's nothing else. Like, this is it. It's like uh, our, our, our own experiences it, it, are, trump anything else that's happening in the world. Uh, and, and we're all artists in the way that we project who we want to be to each other. Um, the solipsism of the content provider. Well, I just think that more people should take a page from what Harry did with his public persona and and not give so much away, you know? Yeah. Bringing it back to the this, the question we started this off with was, like, what, is, what <clears throat> does the overarching archetype of the father, the patriarch, have to teach us? And... In light of your question, it's it's interesting because we do see with like Me Too and all the stuff, the the death of a certain kind of patriarch image. Mm-hmm. And so, if that's if we apply your, you know, the 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 cliche or whatever the idea that you started this with, then it's possible that this is the time when 
we then when the archetypal man gets to mature because that father because our the patriarchal father that sort of has run the show for so long mm-hmm. is dying is being taken down and and that if if your if that is true that we you only become a man when your father dies then maybe this is the opportunity for us to actually step up as good yeah. men in the light of this me tooness and the death of that old calcified archetype and well, so I mean, just think about yeah. that for a second like we when you say uh, be a man like there's a co- connotation to that we in, in instantly associate that term being a man with like being grown up being adult being responsible but we've uh, attached it to man well i don't even i don't even that's not i think it's more like just like if you think that if having a father forever infantilizes you Mm. then if living under a patriarchal system it means that men don't ever have to become what a really good man would be because we have this archetype that's doing all the work for us with that archetype gone just like when your father like again this was my situation when my father went i had this huge sense of oh whatever was above me is now no longer above me and now i am there Mm -hmm. and whatever was above us is now no longer above us and we see the shadows of it he even dropped his name accidentally there I hate that he's ruined that term. Uh, But we have, like, the worst example of that thing, that dying male archetype, just like, you know, dinosauring its way. refusing to accept responsibility for anything. Exactly. And and I I feel like that's what, to to me, being an adult is just about attaching responsibilities to yourself. Right. And so the, the definition of childish is refusing to accept responsibility. And that's essentially what you're doing if you cast, if you uh, put all your eggs in the basket. That like I'm the life is just gonna give me the lottery. We're just gonna, I'm just gonna cruise through life, and I'll be rewarded for shirking actual responsibility. That's a perfect way of bringing it yeah. back around to the lottery because yeah. that is that is exactly the the aesthetic. Well, as I say, we, we, I will be fulfilled. Yeah. I will. I will finally come into my own. I will be taken care of, and you know, mm-hmm. if you're lucky enough to have a father, that I think everybody in the room. I don't know if Marshall has chimed I, in. No, I do have a father. But that everybody in the room can say that you know, having heard about your father, not knowing him as a father, only knowing him for his, you know, for his uh, musical abilities, to be able to say like, I have a great dad. You know, I know Chris feels the same way, and I know Rick did, and I'm I'm sure you did that. You know, there's something to be said about, whew, you know, there was that lottery, like all things considered, Oh yeah, you know, it's almost like it couldn't be bad if it wasn't that good. You know what I mean? Like, you know, that's true. That's true. I, I'd hate to even go on a tangent. I just want to know, I forgot, I didn't know your dad was a dream analyst, but to know that you were in a movie about a murderer in dreams. Did he ever, was he around for it was, that? It was, yeah, he was, that was when he was starting to. Okay. To I just didn't know. Dementia, I just thought it was yeah. such a, I just all of a sudden it dawned on me. I'm like, you were in yeah. a movie about a murderer of dreams and your dad's a dream analyst. That's pretty <laughs> deep, but I don't want to go <laughs> yeah. on a tangent, but we'll, we'll take it offline. Uh, well, Chris, uh, I'm, it was worth the wait. God damn. That was a great song and a great conversation. You're such Thank an you. insightful, thoughtful person. I, uh, yeah, I really, I dig you a lot, and I'm really glad you you. I like what you how you came in and made the whole group your band, and 
and not as your band and like, but you just made us into a band together, like in the room. And that's one of the that's that's the thing that great musicians do is they make other people uh, into musicians around them. And so yeah, we just want to be a part of it. Yeah. 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 Price, Cheers, man. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Everybody in this room that played along what did not know in advance they were going to do that. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. It's alchemy wizardry. Thanks for listening to Radio 8 Ball. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher, and check out our website and the links provided for info about past and future shows on the Radio 8 blog, our ongoing Patreon campaign, and where you can download our Radio 8 Ball app that allows you to engage the Pop Oracle directly in the form of every song ever performed in the history of Radio 8 Ball. I hope today's musical divination brings and brought the sync to you wherever you are. And until next time... I'm your host, Andras Jones, wishing you lots of spine-tingling synchronicities, connections with the natural world, and all the inspiration you can handle. It's the Radio Wave Ball Show.